to another edition of Thunderdome! Henrik, welcome to the Thunderdome. Thank you so much. I hope I hope you're ready. Um, but yes, everybody, we've, so we're here with Henrik Lagerland. He's the CEO and co-founder at Enode. Enode's a pretty cool company that has some some new announcements that we're excited about and this whole group has been thinking about for a while. But as always, before we get into that, we want to start with some fun stuff. So Henrik, the first question we ask everyone, when did you first get derpilled? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I can think of at least two, yeah, two things. First one would have to be uh, back in back in university when I was studying energy engineering, mainly because I was inter interested in sort of the energy sector as a whole and how that kind of, you know, I was, I was curious to learn more about that and figured out also that you know in energy engineering a lot of it is electrical engineering um, and you know that opened up a whole new world to me because, you know, I didn't know much about that actually before I started university and, you know, I just turned things on and off uh, and, and stuff just worked. And then I kind of realized, <laughs> well, there's a, it's kind of tremendous, uh, incredibly fascinating system that is making that possible. Right. Uh, and that kind of opened up a full, uh, yeah, like a new world to me. And, and I also kind of realized at that point that, there is so much interesting things at the demand side of the uh, of this system, right? It's not only the the production and the transmission and the distribution. There is also uh, a ton of interesting things that can happen at the at the demand side. Uh, and and at that point, I kind of was you know thinking about different ideas around this, and um, but nothing really happened. Um, so I kind of laid that at rest. Uh, and then the second. I guess the second dirt pill was was has to be Tesla, kind of like you mm. know really driving Tesla Model S uh, and realizing that it's you know this is this is happening this is this is happening now like okay so is... so first it I was like yeah, an intellectual you're... journey and then it was a real world sort of thing in your face screaming at you mm -hmm. dirts are happening yeah yeah awesome awesome okay cool so. Uh, we want to get to know you a little bit. Um, we know you're the co-founder of a really cool company, but what do you what do you do outside of that? What what's your life look like otherwise? I uh, I love to snowboard. That's uh, that's my number one hobby. Uh, so I'm um, you know when there is snow, I will go look for that snow uh, <laughs> either here in Norway or, 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 or travel somewhere else. Um, that's, uh, that's at least one thing. What, what's your favorite place you've snowboarded in so far? Oh, um, I, I have to say probably right now, maybe also because of a little bit of recency bias, but, uh, but Jackson hole is, is Ooh, probably, yeah. uh, on nice. the top of my list. Henrik, I, in that whole area in general. I had to yeah. ask for myself cause I'm, uh, I'm a surfer, so similar dynamic. What? How do you tell your team that you're like taking off for, for you know, chasing <laughs> some powder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's the that's the beauty of being a remote first company, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you're saying <laughs> don't you don't tell, tell them. them. <laughs> I can just, <laughs> yeah. I can just show up on my video from from Jackson Hole. Perfect. Nice. On the skis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> I have taken calls from my from my wetsuit in the parking lot for sure. Like 
we gotta hang this up. I gotta get out there. <laughs> yeah, I also do love to surf. So, but uh, oh, nice. I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm not as experienced there as on the on the snowboarding, but uh, that would be my second second favorite thing. Okay. Um. So this this question I feel like catches people off guard, which is why it's fun. What is the last job you want to have? And I can like explain this a little bit. What we're trying to get at is. Uh, we're all a part of this sort of like revolution happening, right? At some point, it's going to mm -hmm. have happened and kind of be done. Mm -hmm. You might be bored with it. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, how are you? How do you ride out the rest of your years? What's the What's the time frame on that revolution? Do you think? <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, I asked the questions here. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. You're you you are you're sixty yeah. years old. You're kind of like here. Here's yeah. my last yeah. chapter. Yeah. You're snowboarding. I mean, you know, you, you could just say this is the last job, you know, and then and then you're retired too. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I, I hope it's my current job. I, I I don't see any reason to to think any other than that. To be honest, like I, that's what I love doing now, and I hope I can do that for a long time. And you know, we'll see. I've noticed the founders we interview always answer the question that way. Yeah. It's just like, the I'm still, do like, I'm still I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. The energy, we've transitioned, but like, we're still going to need technology. There's so many in that new world. Exactly. And there's so many exactly. weird dirs yeah. we, don't, we don't know about yet that are probably going to exist and are going to yeah, right. need, you know, yeah. APIs, right? So, keep inventing. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> segue, segue to my favorite icebreaker question. What is your favorite dir? I'm, I, I have to disappoint you, I think, and, and say something a little bit uh, ordinary. Um, it's an EV. Yeah, well, oh, it, that cool. was your first yeah. love. Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're just amazing. You know, they, they're, so, like, they're the ultimate dur, in my opinion. Ultimate, okay. Ultimate dur. They, they move around, you know, especially when, they, when you add vehicle to grid into the mix, you know, they can go both ways. They move around. They have so much flexibility. Yeah. Without getting too into it, because I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Are you are you a V to G stan? Do you think there's a big future in V to G? I do. I do. Yeah. Cool. I cool. think that's uh, inevitable. I think we'll we'll get there. You know, there's there's no doubt in my mind. It's just a matter of timing, uh, and I think it's you know sooner rather than later, but uh, it will happen. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right, so fi final icebreaker. You're not allowed to use V to G as the answer to this question because we just said that. So what is your your most controversial, your hottest energy take? So like what energy opinion do you have? Do you think that's like maybe a little heterodox? Yeah, I I, I, I think maybe it's not so controversial, uh, but I think, <laughs> I think at least one thing that I always come back to is is interoperability in many ways that's what we do as well at anode right uh making sure that things are interoperable everything right which to some is is, is a threat maybe uh but i think that's that's ultimately something we have to have to push uh, and something that needs to be uh you know every door needs to be interoperable uh i think that's uh, that's so a strong held opinion. Who's that pointed at? Is that at is that at utilities? Is that at OEMs? You know, who who feels like that's a threat? Who would feel that's a hot take? Because they're right. like, don't want that. It's not some OEMs, right? Not all. I mean, yeah. not all. Um, 
they can also see it as a positive thing and as an opportunity to to let other builds value on top of their products. Um, so it's not necessarily something that they they want to oppose. But I think it's a, it's 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 often neglected and it's often mm-hmm. kind of put in the backseat. It's not invested in. It's not prioritized. I think that's the main problem. Um, and I, I'd love to see that being prioritized higher. Well, and I think it, it gets at like a a common refrain in energy, which is like interoperability, I think basically is a, it's a threat to vertical integration of all kinds, not just traditional utility vertical integration, but someone who wants to, yeah. to produce some vertically yeah. integrated offering, et cetera. Um, so basically what you're saying is like, you think the ability to have competition is important. That's how I hear it, at least. That's what I think of as interoperability. It's less about like the next cool feature and more about sort of getting like the baseline system dynamics correct upon which all this stuff can emerge. Yeah. And also like thinking about the consumer too, right? It's like, you don't just want to have to have like 50, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 50 like integrations and apps and people to like do your DR. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a great point. I think that the consumer is very often, uh, overlooked, right? People people forget them, uh, and they should be at the center. Yeah, you know, they, they're they're the ones owning these devices. They're the ones who who should decide what data they want to share. They're the ones who should decide uh, what to take part in and not to take part in. Uh, and they should be at the very center of, of of that interoperability. Yeah, yeah. Okay, James, you want to kick off some of the deep dive? Here? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, we're, we're probably gonna come back to how we feel about walled gardens and stuff like that. I don't know if it's gonna get us. Yeah, we're trouble. definitely. Gonna come back <laughs> I'm to biting that. my tongue right now. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so before we do that, I mean, just for kind of anyone out there, I mean, we always love to hear like the origin story. So like why you started Enode, um, and and how maybe if there was there's any kind of funny story around that, but. Um, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, take that to also ex- explain the business briefly and, and, um, what it is you guys do and are, are mm-hmm. really about. Absolutely. So, I mean, why we started, you know, this, uh, or, or anode as we, as we call it, uh, a play on, um, kind of the, the anode and the cathode. Oh, the nice. Anode. Ah. I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I'll never get it I'm wrong. Sorry Most that we've all don't. messed up yeah, your yeah. We all stop butchering how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Most people say, you know, we're 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 okay with that. No problem. Um but uh yeah, that was the idea at least for the name. So why we're why we're doing it and why we we do I mean why we're still doing it this is because we're as you said, we're in this revolution, right? We're 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 in the beginning of something huge, uh, something we have to do. We have to electrify everything and we have to get a lot of renewable energy production online. Um, so we basically have to rebuild the energy system, right? And it's going to take decades. And and it's the more you think about it, it's just like this overwhelming project, right? It's, it's, it's too big. Like, can we even make, can we even, it, you know, at some point you, you want to become a cynic and just say, well, screw that, you know, we're not gonna, it's impossible. But at the other hand, it's like, this is a tremendous um, op- opportunity as well as uh, as a challenge, right? So I think we wanna, we wanna take part in that uh, project um, and, and we wanna use kind of our background and our skill in that project. And, and the way we can do that is to, to build digital infrastructure and, and make sure that 
all these new devices that come online as part of the journey of the electrification journey, right? Um, that they can be interoperable, that they can be connected via the internet and, and that we can, you know, build technology that makes, that enhances the, the, the grid, you know, uh, and that was why uh why and and you know still is why why we're doing it um and specifically i think you know founding a company is is uh there's a lot of uh things that needs to fall in place there's you need, you need to find your co-founders then timing needs to be right you know they have to be wanting to work on the same thing and there's a lot of things that needs to to fit into that picture and 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 you know i've just been very lucky to find myself in that situation where we my, my co-founder my uh, nikolai uh, our cto he actually he had already built uh, a tesla app as a side project so like he built the tesla integration and he made mm. this little app for it because he was geeking out on on tesla data uh, so he had kind of just done that as a side project and you know we started talking about this and we we're figuring out and we're also seeing kind of we're also seeing how the electrification journey plays out uh, from the Norwegian perspective, since we're all based in Norway, we're kind of, we're seeing things uh, a little bit further into the future. Yeah. Like in Norway now, EV adoption rates are at like 90 plus percent. Uh, so basically every new car that's sold in, sold in Norway is an EV. It's been for a while. Wow. Wow. Um, and you know everybody's driving around in evs and we're kind of seeing how that changes people's mindsets when it comes to to energy uh, and also seeing how uh, different new like new user experiences um are are created and and how kind of energy consumption and and charging of your ev and how that triggers an interest into this and people are buying you know, heat pumps and they're buying solar on the roof and, and they're getting really interested in this. And they, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I, we can see that so many times over, like with all our relatives and friends and it's happening all the time. And yeah, so, so, so seeing that kind of really feeling that the timing was right and that this is, this is happening now, like all these devices, uh, are, are being adopted now and, and kind of we hit the inflection of the, yeah. um, inflection point of the of the curve and and yeah we need to to make these devices available and did you approach this space knowing that you wanted to be a founder or did you find a problem yeah. that didn't have a solution and say we have to start a company to fix that that's a good question maybe a little bit of both <laughs> i think yeah um, yeah it's kind of in the back <laughs> of your mind but you're like you know that you'd want to start a company yeah. but also yeah, it's I really mean, the problem is the the ultimate driver i guess yeah, I think so too. I think that's, I, I, I've, I've tried it a couple of times before and I knew that I was, it was, um, it was absolutely fundamental to me that, you know, finding the right problem and the mission mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, being very confident in the intention and that if, if I didn't feel that, then, then it, it wouldn't be worth right. it. So like starting this company has always been my mindset or, you know, that even if 10 years from now it returned like it nothing you know there's nothing left it, it was still worth it right sure it was still yeah. worth it you have the you have the bug that's yeah. awesome yeah. 
is is this a good time to just maybe briefly explain what Enode is? Like, what's the product and the business? Absolutely. So, um, so what we do is we're in we're a software company. We're 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 an API. We're an API for for DERS basically. So any distributed energy resource um, that you can think of, uh, you can uh, connect to via our API. So let's say you want to build a new energy company or energy provider, and you have this awesome you know, user experience in mind, and you want to leverage um, consumers' EVs or, or, or heat pumps or whatever, uh, you can come to us and we'll uh, make sure like we have the digital infrastructure for you to to make those connections to connect to these devices to get uniform data from these devices uh, and and also to control them so you could say that we're kind of a digital der infrastructure well can i actually i think it'd be it'd be great as one of your early customers you know in the us i'll i'll, I'll further the pitch for you as far as like how we look at it um <laughs> You know, it is really interesting. Like, I do think it feels completely fundamental to our business, what you guys are doing in a, in a couple of ways. So we actually started in B2B um, almost largely because like the barriers to entry and consumer are so high from a software perspective that if you want to go offer a mass market product, um, you have to build integrations with like 50 different DERs before you even start. You know, if you want to, I mean, I guess you could be the retailer just for Teslas or just for Nest thermostats or what have you. But in order to really do, you know, you're a DER owner, um, you know, you need you need a platform like Enode, in my mind, to actually do it in a capital efficient way. And so the genesis of us launching a consumer product, which we're working on now, is because of you guys. Like we we, we wouldn't have been able to even consider that. And it's funny if you listen to like, us on the podcast from like two years ago, we were always talking about like CNI and residential wasn't even in my mind. So we have a, I'm doing an early big shout to you guys. We do big shouts at the end of the podcast, but, um, you know, for really unlocking that, uh, that aspect of the business for us, where now we just build one thermostat API with you guys. So we get like, you know, switching the fan, cool heat mode and the set point. But behind that, you guys have Honeywell, Echobee, uh, you know, I think you're working on like Ness and Amber Sensibos. So there's maybe five different thermostats or, or more coming that we can integrate with just, but through one integration with you guys, it's the same on the, on the electric vehicle front. Um, and what I've also found as a result of that is we didn't even know how much it was going to help us in the B2B product for us, because, um, mm. what we've found is that a lot of the controls companies in the space are actually limited by hardware. Like they're vertically integrated because, you know, you, because of that problem of not wanting to build an API into every thermostat. So we would see things in this space, like a controls company comes in and they'll have to rip out perfectly good smart thermostats from a, say like a, a Barry's bootcamp location because to run DR, they need that vertical integration, like hardware up to software, for example. Um, so you guys are actually completely opening up our B2B business as well in that we'll install hardware or we don't have to install hardware. We actually don't care what the hardware is on site. And a lot of that is because we can leverage uh, Enode to, to give us uh, such a variety of access to all these devices. So 
I don't know. I just and, thought I'd th- I'd throw that on top there on, uh, to, to to pitch for you guys. Even though, if you're a retailer out there now, I have to say don't don't work with you know because we you know we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're like it uh, it doesn't work at all, but we love yeah. it. <laughs> oh, but it's, uh, because it, it works me... so great. But just kidding. <laughs> yeah, makes me so glad to to hear that because I think that's also you know one of the the most important parts or, or sort of reasons why we're doing what we're doing and the way we're doing it is we want to accelerate uh things right, right? we and and i think hopefully we're actually doing 100%. that right we're, we're we're enabling companies to to do things faster because they don't have to do all of this build all those infrastructure uh and it it takes you know it's easier for them to go for you guys to go to market you can do it yeah. faster yeah and when, when you say integration i i think it might be helpful for all of us to understand what you're talking about like we're talking about just sharing data or, you know, does yeah. the the Tesla charger or whatever it is that you integrate with, you know, it has like 10 different things it can do. Are you actually triggering like action? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we are. And, and I think you can, there's an analogy to be taken from, from FinTech uh, where you have your, your, your Venmo app, right? So you use Venmo and, and behind the scenes, there's a company called Plaid. Uh, and when you link your bank account uh, in Venmo uh, to, to make transactions, Plaid is making sure is establishing that connection to to different banks. So they're kind of you know doing all these things in the background that you wouldn't think is even difficult, right? You think that's just like kind of easy to easy to do, but they're uh, you know making that connection to all those different banks. And we're doing the same things with with e- same thing with EVs, right? So we're making the connection uh via internet uh to your tesla uh and enabling that and and the end user of course has to make that connection so Mm -hmm. the end user can decide right the end user is the one that kind of initiates and and also can terminate that that connection okay so much like how plaid is from from my bank to venmo saying here's your account balance here's your most recent transactions whatever it's also then if requested saying Okay, pull a thousand dollars out of this account. So, like your your version yeah. of that is: here's the state of charge of the car, here's you know the temperature, what whatever matters. But then also, okay, That's charge, it. discharge. Uh, yeah, David, David Energy would be down. would be Venmo, where we're telling that charge yeah. or discharge yeah. to initiate um, through through them. And, and and you'd think that it's fairly simple, right? You, you'd think that well, that that can't be that complicated, but it's it's really it's really hard. Uh, and because first of all, there's a, so many different models and, and OEMs, and so we're we're supporting now, I don't think close to 500 different models uh, across uh, different types of of uh, of hardware. Uh, and you know, every one of those have different quirks and they're, they're physical objects in the real world, you know, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff and we have to make sure we build a reliable system around that. So, and then someone updates um, their API and yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's such a good point. Uh, you know, other, uh, what's interesting, it's not just the variety of devices, but we actually built an, an API with, you know, we used Honeywell's API. Um, and we were just installing Honeywell thermostats in commercial spaces as a result. And then when you guys came along, we actually scrapped us doing the API directly, even though we're paying you now, obviously for that, our engineering team was like, yeah, we do not, yeah, we don't want to yeah, deal with this. Yeah. Like we, we love, you know, I know, sorry. Um, and, uh, 
So it's even just like within one device management, there's a lot of difficulty in doing that effectively that that you guys help help solve for for companies. So I know this is like maybe I don't know if this is where we want to go next, but my obvious thing here is I hear this and I'm like, this is all great, assuming that people have APIs and let you do this. <laughs> right. And I know like notoriously, I guess I'll I'll call them out in case anyone else on the phone to, on on this call doesn't want to, but like Nest, right, is like I think like kind of the notorious yeah. like difficult one, at least in in the U.S. Right, like they have you'll have utility DR programs for thermostats, and there's like yeah. Nest runs its own program, and then the utility has a program yeah. with like every other thermostat because they don't let you do that. Um, and so I would, I mean, I think it would be interesting to talk a little bit around your hottest take on interoperability <laughs> and like. <laughs> I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot, right? Like GM just, um, right? General Motors just like announced their energy division. And so now they have all these like yep. V to G people. And I see I see this very much as a play for like the house, right? The household. It's like, okay, you have your EV. It's your biggest, to your point, your favorite dirt. It's your biggest energy like input output. And then like the inevitable next thing to me is like, well, then they just start creeping mm. into the house, right? Like, well, now we have your EVs. So, like, let's also control your thermostat for you. Like, and that's like when OEMs start doing that, it becomes this like walled garden area, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't really have a question there. No, I'll, thoughts. I'll share <laughs> some of our thinking on that. And, you know, it, it, it goes back to the consumer, right? So our take on it, and, and I think most, you know, in general, that's a, it's, a, it's a generally held take, is that the consumer and the owner of these devices they own that data and they can do whatever whatever they want with that data. So if they uh, choose yeah. to share that data, they can. Uh, and I think some OEMs will try to make that difficult for the consumer. But in the end, if the consumer wants it, they can't really fight it, right? They have to play along because they own yeah. the data. It's their device, you know, and if they want someone else to to, to add value on top of that device, that, like that should be possible. Yeah. And I think an, an interesting, like kind of follow on to that, it, you know, from what the cust the consumer wants, like originating from that is essentially like the competitive dynamics in the space, which is to your point, Colleen of like creeping further into the home, you know, really, I think Tesla and maybe like Generac are the only companies actually, um, building a enough diversity of devices, although Generac doesn't have a car. So like, you know, if you, you make the Apple comparison, like they're think of all the, the devices that are going to be in the home. There's going to be, um, storage, solar, electric vehicle, heat pump, thermostat, uh, the EV. Um, and then, but like when you go further out, Kieran's at the time about like induction stoves, refrigerators, like essentially, you know, that is the old general electric, but now just electrified. And so very few companies are actually going to be in a position to integrate with all those devices. And so then if you're want to be an OEM that serves the customer, you actually, your platform has to start building connections with other OEMs. Or if the customer just says, you know what, I want a Ford F-150 Lightning and I want to test the Powerwall and they can mix and match, you know, the, <laughs> The OEMs, if they want to build that platform, they start relying actually on the interoperability with other OEMs. And you have like a Tesla branded app, for example, but the customer drives a, a lightning. And so I think it's fairly inevitable. I mean, this is obviously, I'm bullish on David Energy, 
like it has to be a third party sitting on top of that and with layers like anode and actually the you know the oems that catch on to that idea will stand to benefit because those third parties will facilitate um installations even of these devices and the ones that are trying to build walled gardens um are not the third parties aren't going to like them obviously and so they're just going to be trying to fill fulfilling the customer need however they have to um and the last piece of that obviously in the at least in the david energy case is like a lot of these demand response programs like selling power this is like managing commodity risk not building widgets so like if you really want to build that vertical layer on top like i always say ford and standard oil were different companies like of course they were so like how how is a a widget maker going to build like a fully vertically integrated sort of commodity application on top of like very diverse um, device types. Um, so I think, I don't know, Henrik, like originating from your idea of like what the consumer wants, um, I think that'll actually drive hopefully the OEMs to not even through any like legal pressure, just like want to open up interoperability with companies like you're over time because they, they, they realize that's actually going to help them win in the space against other OEMs. Uh, I don't know if you think that's true. There's, again, no question, but um, I don't know. Do you, do you see it like a similar way? Or um, I'm sure the question you guys get asked is like, well, what if OEMs don't want to work with you, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how, how, you, how you think of that perspective as well. I, I see it very much the same. Uh, and I think, as, as you say, like at the end of the day, uh, you need multiple devices right at, at every home you you have and you have to unlock the synergies between those devices right you need to unlock the synergy between your solar production and your ev charging and your heating uh if you only do look at those in silos you're not gonna right. unlock the, the opportunity in those devices so somebody has to do that right and is it the oems going to interoperate in you know, connect with other OEMs or is it someone like David Energy going to take, you know, help the consumer and, and build kind of a a new um, consumer or sort of a new user experience uh, on top of that? Um, I would I would argue the latter. And, and I think it also is when looking at this in longer term, it's it's absolutely crucial right it's absolutely crucial that we we that we enable that and enable that innovation and enable that yeah basically let companies a lot of companies try to figure this out right and and it cannot only be the oems um and and i think also that the oems like we we're not really seeing any signs that the oems are kind of really fighting that um and and i think also because they they kind of they can't really they can't really do that right because uh it would be really weird um like the right <laughs> you know people wouldn't like that it would be a bad pr stunt for them so they they can't really do it either i think i i want to throw out i, I want to like i don't actually disagree but i want to perform disagreeing um just to to elicit some conversation <laughs> Um, so yeah, when you think of, I don't know, Apple and the walled garden, I think traditionally we would say, well, they're able to do that because the, the value they provide is so like sort of subjective. There's all this room for like capture and walling things out. Whereas like in energy, right. Customers are the value proposition is, is, is more straightforward, right? It's not like, oh, I like the green bubbles versus the blue bubbles, right? It's, 
It's, uh, you know, price, reliability, like functioning, <laughs> um, et cetera. <laughs> and in theory, I don't know, you just even look at solar, right? You can use any solar panel with any inverter, with any DC optimizer. And like, it's about like pulling out the best sort of economics from a mix of things, right? But so, so that would support everything you guys just said, I think. Um, could you argue, though, that, you know, as this stuff enters the home, it, it enters your daily life your routines, your like experience with how you live, not just your power bill. If OEMs were to carve out like superior functionality, right? If I get on the, I'm just making this up. If I get on the Tesla energy plan, which, you know, V to G's my Tesla car, but it's always charged when I wake up in the morning, it never fucks up. <laughs> like, do you think that can actually create some space for the best of the best OEMs to actually start pulling like high margins out of electricity that almost shouldn't exist, but just because it it's getting at people's actual daily experiences, not just like your bills lower now. I don't even think it needs to be just experience of like your energy. Like it's always charged in the morning. I think it's also just like people like Tesla's, right? I mean, I feel as with I like the pain point of like of being an Android user in an iPhone America, this like a uniquely American problem. Right. But I just like, don't, I just don't receive text messages. Right. in like iPhone group chats because like Apple has built APIs, but like, or whatever, I don't know how phones work, but the API of phones that allow them to message each other, but like they don't work half the time. And no one is like, Oh, this is a inferior product. Let's like not use iPhones. Everyone's like, we have iPhones. You just have to get an iPhone. Right. And I don't know what the equivalent of that is, but it's, I, but I sort of feel like, right. Like if I'm like, oh, well, I could use David Energy, but like I want a Tesla and like Tesla doesn't let me use David Energy. So I guess I'll go with Tesla Energy. Right. Like hmm. I think that's a thing that could happen. <clears throat> I think so too. I think so. Absolutely. I think there's room for, for those players as well. I think you'll have kind of Tesla being the, the equivalent of Apple or, you know, and I'll maybe... be like, I guess I can't, you know, like, right. Like you won't be able to optimize your dishwasher or you have to have tesla and david exactly like, yeah and you have to buy all their stuff right and you're kind of locked into this uh, world right and 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 they they can do that because they have this great product but i guess the question then becomes like how big of a market share can they have mm -hmm. um and what what about the rest yeah um so i think you know android is still like 75 percent of smartphone activity <laughs> yeah yeah in the yeah. globe in yeah the globe, not <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, there's there's just no way in my mind that they go that route. And especially because, like, you know, if you look back to what Tesla really does is, like, they're innovating on, like, cell pack manufacturing as a, bat like a battery company, almost more than a car company. And they have partners who install batteries. And those partners require access to those batteries because they're financing them. So Tesla would have to build, like, the biggest, you know, developer like seller of of storage directly like in the sales force behind that instead of working with um i don't know like sunrun and sonova yeah and, all, and all they were just i mean they right? were kind of the easy um, example because like i feel like they have that cult personality <clears throat> like apple not necessarily that they're right. the oem that would do that but i i do think it's right. like a question if someone wanted to do it i actually think it's more fundamental though and like the way i think about it I've, i do think there's a good segue is like when you think about the apple ecosystem it's all it's all for computing like you have the computer you have the ipad you have the smartphone 
you message people, you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, all those apps are shared across the fact that you're using a computer, whichever form it comes in. That is not true in the home at all. Mm -hmm. These perform different functions. Your dishwasher, your car, your battery, um, your refrigerator, whatever it is you're connecting, your thermostat. There's no like shared infrastructure from your, what you use to heat your home over to your EV. Your EV doesn't care. And here's, here's the, here's, here's how I'm doing the David energy pitch. Um, what is the shared resource across all those? It's power. And so the, the only company that knows how to leverage all the data from those devices is the power company. And when you look at like, yeah, I always say from the perspective of how many walled garden customers, how many like true, all of their home applications are Tesla products uh, are going to be out there as a function of like total DER market share and the ability, and it's only in consumer. But if you're a power company, if you manage risk, you want to be in small commercial yeah. and be in large commercial. You want to be owning utility scale solar. Like you're building a network effect across all power users and you're defining essentially like what is the capacity factor? You're doing the same old insole, like rate calculations for the new, for the new users, right? Um, and so I just, I mean, when I get asked this question, I'm like, yeah, sure. But like, if they try for a while, they'll, they'll switch off it because like, again, you just look at the difference between making wish widgets and managing commodities. It's like wildly different. But I do think, um, I don't know, kind of moving on from that. Um, and obviously, Henrik, you can, you can chime in if, if you want. Um, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't keep me up at night and I, I would be surprised if it kept you up at night, but I don't know, maybe it does. Um, and, um, but I think an interesting point within that is like, I think a lot about how the user is starting to interact with energy in a different way because of these devices. And like you live in Norway where 90% of people have EVs and you're kind of like living in the future. And I'd be really curious if there's like, you see new habits emerging, like how people think about their energy company mm -hmm. or their apps, like, you know, once a home say has a heat pump and an EV and, and then everyone yeah. has that. Um, I do think a lot of the paradigms we're putting in are still kind of thinking about how it works in the fossil fuel era, mm -hmm. like range anxiety makes no sense to me. Cause like in the future, your car charges wherever it's parked. You don't need, even need to go to a gas station, right? Um, so what what is range anxiety about? Um, I don't know things like that. Like, do you do you see do you what is like the cultural endpoint in you view? Right. And that, like, have you seen that progression in Norway? And like, do you think about that in a, in a similar way? That's a great question, and definitely something we think about quite a bit. And, uh, and also, just to clarify, not not ninety percent of Norwegians own a, uh, an EV, but they're buying one. So like, it's yeah. New sales, um, yes, right. So I think it's right. like 30% of cars now on the road. Uh, That's still enormous still, though, wow. Still quite yeah. a bit, yeah. No, but I, I, uh, one analogy I think is from 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 telecom, right? There was this, uh, I remember I was in a case study with uh, with a telco and they were thinking about how they could charge people for their data usage. And the, and the main problem was that like people don't know what a gigabyte is, like what a megabyte and a gigabyte was. So they, they thought they couldn't charge people for it. So like they were just like scratching their head, like how do we build this like pricing model where we charge people for, for consumption without when they don't know what it is. And 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 I was like, or I think we, we said to them, like maybe people have to kind of, like maybe people will understand what a megabyte and a gigabyte is. And, and, I, right, and they do, right? After a while, they maybe not, 
on a detail level, but at least they have some idea of what a gigabyte is and like how much they consume and so on. And I think the same thing is happening in energy. Like, and that's what we see, like when people buy an EV, like people, most people don't have a clue what a kilowatt hour is, right? But when right. you buy an EV, yeah. you actually start to get a learn, you, you start to learn that, right? Because you're, you're charging it and you're understanding, like, you're getting a feeling yeah. for how much a kilowatt hour is. And like it's, it's connected to yeah, a exactly. function. And, and, and then you, and then you connect the dots into other parts of your life, right? Your heating and your, and your solar and you're kind of understanding this and, and I, I, and I, I think people actually, um, they like this and they, they are intrigued by it and they, they enjoy it. Uh, and, 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 and that's what we're seeing. Like, I'm like, my, my uncle yeah. is like 72 and he's, he's, you know, been driving with fossil fuel his whole life. And now he's just bought an EV and, and he's like, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, heat pumps asking me questions and, and, you know, installing solar and like, he's all into this now, you know, and downloading apps and really, and, and of course, energy prices are are really high so that that also plays plays a you know function in that but i think i think back to your question like i think people people like you know being aware of, of their energy consumption and they like to take part in that and they like to uh, have user experiences where they can you know take choices and and make sure they don't spend energy when it's the highest price and, and when they can yeah and they don't necessarily have to participate in everything but they we see a lot of these you know apps coming out like energy companies or energy providers building really cool interesting user experiences uh, on top of integrations to all these devices and connecting that with energy prices and flexibility markets and and you know i think that's that's where we're going i think you know people I think there's a place for that. I think every every person will have an, kind of an energy management app where they, you know, understand their own footprint, both in terms of energy and also in terms yeah. of carbon and, you know, that they, yeah, just become aware and, and, and take part in it. I think this was actually your hottest energy take, at least like from a U.S. perspective. There's so much, there's so much ink and thought so spilled true. on this idea that like, no one should ever have to think about energy. Like it should just be this sort of mm -hmm. like omniscient right. thing, right? Um, yeah, like you turn your light on and it's there and like it's never more expensive yeah, than it should be. Whenever we have regulatory proceedings, people talk about this, et cetera. And it sounds like what you're saying is knowledge shouldn't be a barrier to entry, but once people enter, they will naturally learn about energy, just like they know about gallons and price per gallon and miles yeah. per gallon right now. They're going yeah. to know about and, and it doesn't have to be really complicated, right? I think that's the challenge for 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 you, James, with David Energy, or like you have to make it fun, yeah. right? You have to make it interesting. You have to to make it. You have to wrap it into a nice right. user experience, and maybe you don't have to like, you know, yeah. That that's that's the challenge, right? Yeah, I think I think that's so interesting. You're no, like actually really cool. imagining I mean, like, what will people be like in twenty years, and of course they have some knowledge of this stuff. But we, yeah, and we're thinking about it in the, in sort of the wrong way, because like if right now, if you said to someone, if you had 10 gallons in your car, how far could you drive? They'd understand like, oh, my car gets 20 miles per ton. And, and then, okay, if, if that's going to cost you a hundred dollars because of the price of, of gas right now versus 30, maybe you decide to take the train, you know, and, instead. Um, and Right now, if you ask someone, what could you do with a gallon of gas? They know the answer. What could you do with a kilowatt hour of energy? They'd have mm -hmm. no idea. 
but that that's not that's not going to be the case like at, to your point is there essentially right now their lights just turn on or they don't and you know they can't think of like it's hotter today the prices are doing this whatever it's all real time or or what have you but um i i hadn't thought of that in in the past and i think that's it's it's really um you know i th- certainly think customers will care about energy but it's it's really just as simple as like people connecting what a kilowatt hour is to a function, which they haven't had to do in the past um, as a way of like summarizing it. I don't know if that, that, that yeah. does it, but yeah. So I think we should uh, get into your news. Oh yeah. We haven't <laughs> even done that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we have, we're super excited to, to, to share as well that uh, we raised uh, our series A uh raised 50 million dollars um Woo! recently so that's uh that's awesome to continue building and expanding and and uh, doing what we do that's awesome i was i mean i think there's not enough um sort of talk on this uh because uh, hopefully there's a lot of other entrepreneurs out in the space like so can you talk about what the fundraising process was like like did you find your investors or did they mm. find you uh and and i mean that by like we certainly had to find our investors because we wanted tech mm. investors who could understand energy and there weren't that very many, but maybe with like the plaid and the fintech analogies, like there's a broader group of yeah. investors who know what you guys are doing compared to say like retail energy. But, you know, were you, were you seeking tech investors? Were you seeking energy investors? Like how, how did you think about the process? And then what, what was the experience like of it, I guess? Yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't seek specifically investors uh, within energy or, or kind of climate. We were, you know, and, and we I don't think we were perceived uh, in that category either. So we had we had quite a lot of interest, I'd say, um, from from investors all over within any kind of typical kind of software VCs and, and yeah, and also within the energy kind of focused, um, investors, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we had a, a very, very strong interest, I'd say, and, uh, felt in many ways that we were a little bit insulated from the, from the market, um, in, since we're, we're in this sector that is obviously kind of, um, increasingly important. And, yeah. uh, so I, I, uh, yeah, it, it, we definitely had a lot of interest. And do, do you mind mentioning the, who who the group was? Yeah, I'm not no, sure uh, did, so, but... so the ones we yeah the ones we went with is uh, is um, European VC Creandum. Um, so super excited uh, to work with them. They they one of the top VCs in in Europe. Invested in Spotify, Klarna, stuff like that. Um, and um, yeah, really leaning into into this whole space and um, good match for us. We also have uh, lower carbon uh, increase their um, their share uh, in the company. We have them from our from our seed round as well, including Box Group and uh, and a number of other uh, angels as well. So super happy to to have them on board. So what are you uh, most excited to expand on? Now that you kind of have the Series A locked in, so uh, we're we're expanding uh, geographically. So we're expanding. You know, we have most of our customers now in in, in Europe, uh, but also several in the U.S. And we're going to um, lean more uh, heavily into the to the U.S. market as well as expanding on our product. Right, keep doing what we're doing, making it better, 
uh, integrating with with more OEMs and models, but also doing more integrations into uh, flexibility markets and and yeah, lots of interesting stuff um, on on top of those integrations. What does um, I'm sorry, I'm just speaking sort of re- reacting here. James, cut me off if I'm off topic. <laughs> so integrating with flexibility markets, like are you referring to like ISOs and or whatever, I guess the European equivalent, or are you talking about sort of like uh, sort of specific kind yeah. of like app environments that people have made? Yeah, 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 no, that would be kind of TSO and DSO markets. Uh, so basically having ready to go solutions on top of that, like we have, you know, um, we have the connection layer, like the, the connection to the those to the DERs. Some of our customers, uh, you know, leverage those connections, like David Energy, who kind of build their own kind of flexibility uh, or, or optimize uh, based on different price signals, right? But we can also uh, do that for our customers, so we can uh, have um, kind of ready-to-go integrations into local uh, TSO or DSO markets, so that. Yeah, it's very easy for them basically to participate and and to to generate the revenue uh, from the flexibility that these devices uh, represent. Really interesting. So in that case, the the customers that you're selling to are really kind of providing the like decision around when they would want. Yeah, exactly, to exactly. Be using yeah. the system, but they don't have to think about yeah either the connection to the DERs or the connection to the market. Yes, I had a I sort of had a follow up question on like. Um, just the, the 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 European scene uh, more broadly, like there's so much amazing uh, kind of companies coming out of uh, not just Norway, but sort of, um, well, uh, embarrassing geography skills here, but like, you know, in Germany and the Netherlands, that whole like area in Northern Europe. Um, and so, I'm like, uh, but um do you think that's a function that you guys are kind of living in the future in a way with with adoption rates? Um, or, you know, do you think there's something that the U.S. can learn from what's going on there? Um, so I guess like two two pieces of that question. One, like the what the the startup scene is kind of like uh, in in northern Europe. And then. Also, like, wh- why is that, and what can we what can we learn from it here? Yes, I mean, I would certainly hope that we can leverage uh, the situation we're in to, you know, take lead on that. And and I think we have that opportunity, right? I think we can we can see a lot of things happening a little bit ahead of ahead of the curve. And I think it makes a ton like, at least Norway is an energy nation. Like we built, like the co- the country is built on on energy, right? But the wrong kind. And now we have this opportunity to. <laughs> to to restore that and, yeah. and and take advantage of of the situation we're in, right? And I think that's that's a responsibility uh, and something that that I really hope that that we can do. Um, and yeah, that's that's at least what I hope. I have a very big. Duncan, you sound like you want. Like, I have like a very <laughs> big picture question, and maybe that's a good thing because maybe we get out of the details. <laughs> All right, so. I'm going to further sort of like represent an opinion I don't actually hold. Um, So when we're thinking about like all the devices in the home or in the place of business being integrated with, with energy markets, essentially Mm -hmm. part of what's implied in that is the assertion that the energy input is, is an important cost in the overall structure of like the service that that device offers. Right. If the energy input was so infinitesimally small relative to the service that device provides, 
it would not be worth considering, right? So we're sort mm -hmm. of saying like energy matters. It's a constraint to the economy, sort of is what we're saying. Like it's a it's a meaningful input, um, and that's kind of what we're saying in this DER renewable energy centric vision of the future. A very different vision of the future could be one of hyper energy abundance. Like if energy were so abundant and so cheap that its input to the value proposition of any given machine just didn't matter anymore, none of this stuff would need to exist. One could assert that, right? Like let's pretend, you know, super duper fusion exists. With super duper wires. Wait, just hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the in, the input cost to the system is zero, let's say, which I think is an absurd assertion, but let's say. Um, yeah, and let's, I guess, maybe not think about it. Do you, you get what I'm getting at? Like, I think there's some folks have like a vision of the we're solving energy and climate future as just like, boom, energy's cheap, free and clean uh, or or simple, free and clean. And therefore, like, we don't need all this flexibility. We don't need to assemble this Rube Goldberg machine of dispatchability and up and down and frequency and all this stuff. Just big, clean energy. What I don't know. What do you think about that? I, 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 I think that's kind of uh, prescribing to leaning back and hoping it fixes itself, right? It's kind of like, well, you know, you just... Okay, let's just hope we figure out fusion and and you know like let's let's you know <laughs> and hail mary right um, let's see how it goes. I, I don't think it's I, I at least from my perspective like if you look at what's available like and how we're gonna like if we try to plan and and you know get to a place within the next couple of decades uh, we have to do all this work we have to figure this out like there is not gonna there is going to be constraints and 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 there. And, and there's also going to be uh, a need for that energy. Uh, at least, you know, there will be abundance at times, right? At times there will be too much energy. We have to figure out how to how to use that. And, and at times there will be a deficit. And 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 that that's why we have DRs and we have to figure all this stuff out. And I think it's worth like we have to do that as a hedge, right? We have to maybe we'll 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 figure out fusion or, or some abundant uh, you know technology in the future, but it's it doesn't look like that right now. Uh, so so that that would be kind of my yeah yeah. And then I come back to to what I think Duncan is the point you've made to me before. So I'm just arguing against you with your prior words. It was very circular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is that like even clean vastly abundant energy maybe with the exception of it being truly distributed um you're going to run into congestion and to heinrich's point like right like there's going to be areas yeah. where you have a ton of energy yeah. but like you can't even get it to like where it the needs to go the network becomes the constraint not the source the network becomes yeah, the constraint yeah. and then you still and need der's like, yeah wow you guys yeah. are you guys are walking straight into uh, another one of our theses here I'm sorry to talk about David Energy, but I do think to the extent I'm I'm steel manning David Energy, I'm also steel manning Anode because I did say you guys are a fundamental layer there. Duncan's question was, in this future, does Anode matter? And I would say yes. And the crazy thing is we are headed towards that future because marginal cost, the marginal cost to produce power is zero in a renewable energy future. And so even if that's true, Duncan, and... Colleen just pointed this out, the product to the end customer becomes capacity, not, mm -hmm. it's just bandwidth, not 
um, not tracking the actual sort of amount of megabytes it's all a capacity market it's like a megabyte per, per second capacity only market well bilateral private it, yeah. i mean yeah 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 bilateral yeah but but uh but yeah that's actually um who was it oh my god adam smith no adam james mm. right uh that's his hot energy take is we're headed towards capacity only markets um so I don't know. Just had to back you up there, Henrik, because like I know uh, even in that hypothetical future, uh, and I I think it's actually coming. Yeah. (laughs) So cool, cool. Appreciate it. Um, are we are we going to the wrap up section here? Some of the fun stuff. Can I do one more? Just one more question as as a sort of you know, and then and then we'll move through it quickly, but should be quick. Um, It does make me think, Henrik, and I did want to ask this: Is do you see anode existing outside of energy like are these apps uh, connected apps can be used in a way uh, for things not like not in the david energy use case like in i don't know insurance companies or any sort of um you know are there other kind of markets you're thinking of of going into it could be right uh but i I think there is so much uh i I think once we start diverging from that and and trying to go into other use cases where we're also uh losing focus so we're very much focused on, yeah. on the energy use case and there's plenty of room in that uh, for us for a long time uh and i don't really see any need for us to kind of go beyond beyond that so we're we're very much focused on that um all right well and if, if cheap fusion comes along and i'm wrong you can uh, pivot into <laughs> into something else but <laughs> that's cool want, here um, i want i want to talk about fusion but not right now but i don't think it's coming <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's get You're a fusion talking, physicist too, on next. Um, yeah. <laughs> too cheap to meter was like a 50s idea or something, wasn't it? Well, I think it'll exist. I just think like OPEX, like it's yeah. just like like maintenance, not uh, sorry, uh, CapEx. I don't CapEx. know. Anyway, sorry, let's get out of that. Okay. <laughs> Dope. Okay, Henrik. So we have this section we call Dope or Nope. So okay. we're going to. Say a say Wait, a topic. You're skipping. You skipped. Uh, it's not. You're the energy czar of America. You're the energy czar of Europe. Oh, we have okay. eight minutes. Uh, we have eight minutes. Okay. Yeah. What's one policy you pick? The single one policy. policy. Yeah. Well, yeah. it has to be uh, interoperability. Then I guess as we as we touched upon, like mandatory on brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Users on their data, they can do what they want. Yeah. Love uh, it. Like no it. walled gardens. Um. All right. <laughs> Duncan, take us into Dope or Nope. Okay, Dope or Nope. So I'm, we're, we're going to mention a sort of hot energy topic. And if you think that thing is is cool and good, you're going to say dope. If you think it's bad or just or overrated or, you know, whatever, you say nope. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, if you want, you can give us a sentence saying why. If not, we can just rattle through them. Okay. So <laughs> first, we're going to start with... Um, Davos and the uh, the sort of centralization of uh, of political influence <laughs> and cl- climate policy too it, from a climate energy perspective yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, dope yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't really know. starting off with you're, the with the tough one you're in Europe you're it's like you're you know you're you're right there so I think there's a guy next to him holding a gun. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm joking. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, okay. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, hydrogen. Nope. 
Yes. Okay, that was fun. Um, Wait, can we expand on that? I know nothing about IGN. Yeah, give us a sentence. Because I think from a European, it's very interesting because like the conversation is so much bigger around hydrogen in Europe. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a little bit of a derailment. Like, I mean, maybe it's useful in very some like small kind of niches, but you know, in generally, let's stick with electrification and batteries. Yeah, you see it kind of like fusion. It's like it's getting us away from the the problem. Yeah, yeah, just efficiency isn't isn't good enough. Yeah, this idea that everyone's going to have a hydrogen boiler in their basement, like that's like a conversation happening in the UK right now. It's like, what? Like, this this is wild. Yeah, Yeah, it it seems very like sort of like uh, stakeholders driven type of conversation. Mm. Okay. um, Franchise rights. And I don't know what they're called in Europe, but sort of like a monopoly on electrical distribution. Should yes, people like DSO. should people be able to build wires between their house or not? Uh, franchise rights, dope or nope? Are they? Uh, do they have to enable others to to transmit? Uh, like, yeah, is it they... is it is it dope that I can't string a wire across to my neighbor or not? I mean, as long as you can access the wire that's already there, I would say that's that's better, right? Um... They should that's be. A, feels like a dope, a dope to me. Yeah, I think. <laughs> that feels I think, like a franchise yeah. right to dope. Yeah, or rather, put it, put this way though: should a, should someone be blocked? <laughs> Leading from question. Building that line. Was no, that? No, I mean, but that's what franchise rights are. If I want to build a wire, if to someone my wanted to build a wire, should they be allowed to? Yeah. Yeah. So we got it. We got to know. You just <laughs> yeah. gotta feels free. like a strong. <laughs> I feel, okay. I feel okay. like I feel like that's a longer topic. I feel like your vision for how this should work is kind of like the internet. Like it's one big, accessible, yeah. interoperable network. However, yeah. yeah if yeah. someone wants to like lay some of their own fiber, sure. They and that's can. also kind of yeah. from the European perspective, right? We we like, right? Like we don't have multiple grids, but the grids that are there, they have to be they're open to anyone who wants to use them. Like you can sell it, like you can, yeah, you can use them. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got, I've got a, I've got a special dope or nope for you. Saunas as durs. Ooh, dope. Yeah. Has, <laughs> has anyone done this? <laughs> yeah. We're doing it. Well, I'm definitely, that, really? that's happening. Oh, so cool. We gotta do that. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Wait, but, I just saw a retailer in Australia that does pool. They're called pooled energy. They control nice. your pool pump. So if you, I don't I mean, know pool, what pumps, pool pumps are out there, but pool can you guys pump build? is actually kind of an OG demand response technology. It's been wow. dec- people have been doing it for decades on the DR side. Interesting. Utility DR. Yeah. Pools okay, and have... saunas as as durs. Saunas though. Saunas still new. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> okay. Launching next um, week. Only you know. Really? <laughs> Are you joking or? Oh, dude, please Duncan do that. was like, please, yes. Please. I, I just I... want to build a marketing campaign around that, so please do it. <laughs> oh man. Get hot with Enode. Okay. Um, <laughs> small modular nuclear. So, like, as opposed to f- fusion, right? Just like mm-hmm. making today's nuclear. Better. I'd say dope. Bring it on. Nice. Love that. Okay. Can I just uh, ask a question? I don't even know if this is a dope or no, because I know you're going to think it's dope. Zigbee or real-time meter data? Or maybe maybe think it's no. But does that exist in Europe? Real-time meter data? Like, is it easy to get access to real-time yeah, meter data? Yeah, you need to plug in, like, a device and, and connect it. That's... that's. Oh, like, can anyone that. can do it? Anyone can do that, yeah. 
I mean, that sounds very dope to me. You can't, you can't do that at like anywhere in the US. Should, Even though they're smart meters. Should be possible to do that, yeah. I Is agree. it like a cheap device that you just plug into the meter? Just like a little $99? Yeah, like a little like, 50, yeah. 50 bucks device. 50 bucks, like nice. Yeah. That's cool. It's possible to do that in a lot of US meters, but the utilities uh, will not say it's a cybersecurity risk. So maybe they should talk to some people in uh, Europe about how that's uh, garbage, essentially. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, okay. that would be the, uh, right. the consumer's choice, right? It's their data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. Okay, so final section here, we call this big shouts. We're just rattling off things we think are cool, people we want to give credit to. Um, just, you know, big shouts is saying, you know, good stuff, right? Um, so, and we all kind of participate in this. Um, I think we'll start. Um, I'll say big shouts to just Northern Europe for kind of giving us a, a little taste of the future. It's it's cool to yep. see, cool cool to see uh, from a U.S. perspective. Yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll give out a big shout to you guys for for, for doing this podcast and, and uh, yeah, spreading the word. Love it. Appreciate it. Nice. Big shouts to Enode for making like everything we do possible. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys for that. And big, big shouts, shouts to, to Sanas. <laughs> big shouts Sorry. to Sanas. No, go for it. Yeah, big shouts to to our customers. Uh, you know, they're they're what we're they're the reason we're we're here. And uh, yeah, thanks for believing in us and working with us. Yeah, we definitely. You know, it's. Uh, Hopefully get, get you guys some more, you know, cause it's, it's uh pretty awesome what, what you guys are doing. Um, another one, big shouts to Adam Roth, Rothenberg. Is that who you work with at Boxer? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the quiet, you know, unsung hero of energy tech. Arcadia, he was first, you guys, us, um, Dandelion, Palmetto. Um, he knows how to pick him. Wow. He knows how to pick him. It's it's wild. Uh, so big shouts to him. Good one, Colleen. You got anything? I've got a final one. Go ahead. All right, yeah. Big big shouts to Tesla for derpilling Henrik a decade <laughs> yes. ago. Where would we be I without Enode? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but where would we be without Tesla derpilling Enode's founder? Yeah. So um, hey Henrik, thanks for coming. This was super fun. Thanks so much. Man. Thank you guys. It was awesome. See you later. You. All right. I, yeah. See ya.